Somebody call Rhonda right now. Please. I want her to get a head start. There she is. And next week, next week, daylight saving time. I want you to have a head start. Start now. Where your clock? Where your watch? Where your phone? <laughs> That's right, Brother Smalls said, next year, don't change it when the fallback. Just keep it right where it is. No. <laughs> we love you today, God, and we thank you for your righteousness, how you look out for us. When things happen and when people, Lord, plan evil, God, you are all scientific. You know all things. We magnify your holy name. We glory in you. And we pray today that, God, you will bless us. This new series in Timothy, we praise you. Now give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn in your Bibles to, or follow us on the board. I'm going to read three verses, but I only have the time to probably deal with two. First Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 7. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Thank you, Sister Michelle. We're going to pick up with part, with part two of our subject title, Your Task is to Combat Falsehood. Your Task is to Combat Falsehood. Almost any successful task in life is going to involve a struggle and conflict. You are not going to get through this life without some type of conflict and struggle. So you can just go ahead and forget trying to get out of it or bypassing struggle. Struggle is a part of life. You have been given a mandate to pursue that which is right regardless of the struggle that it brings. We pray that trouble will leave us. We pray that the enemy will not bother us. And then we ask God for patience. Well, how in the world do you get patience unless you go through things? Satan's job is to oppose you. And he'll creep right into the church and sit right next to you. Satan's not afraid to go to church. He's got those on the outside. He wants to make sure that you're not effective in what God has called you to do. Two weeks ago, we had two points. And the first point was a God-given calling. A God-giving calling. We took that from 1 Timothy 1 and 2 and then Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. And I will address possibly Acts again briefly. Then our second point was where you are, stay where you are, prohibit wrong teaching and promote right teaching. That was the second point that we made. Today we pick up with point number three, and that is remember your goal and don't swerve from it. Remember your goal and don't swerve from it. If you recall, I told you that the pastoral letters of First and Second Timothy and Titus. We found that Timothy had joined Paul on his second, third, and fourth, part of his fourth missionary journey, in fact, part of the second, because you will find, I believe, in Acts chapter 16, that some individuals had introduced Paul or recommended that Paul meet Timothy. And it was Timothy that joined with Paul and Silas when Paul was beginning his second missionary journey. 
When we get to Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, I want you to stay right there in Ephesus. And I want you to command certain ones to stop teaching falsehood. I want you to be there and to tell them. Timothy was a timid individual, and Paul gives him instruction, I want you to stay. Paul oftentimes says, I, I, I beseech you or at the will of, but he says, I command you in 1 Timothy 1. I've been an apostle. I've been called by God himself, and I have the authority of an apostle. When you look at Acts chapter 13, you will find that Paul and Barnabas are commissioned by God to begin their missionary journey. Get this. It was in Antioch where some of the believers had gathered and were praying, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, I want you to pray for and rather to anoint uh, Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to do. We find that it is God who commissions, but it was the church that prayed and sent them out. The pastor's commission does not come from you. Help us, Lord. Some people think they can run the pastor. I, I think, Pastor, you need to do this. The Lord gave the pastor the vision. I can listen, I can hear, but when it's a certain direction that God has called me to go, you have the responsibility of following Timothy by the command. He has been commissioned by God himself, and he uses his authority as an apostle to tell Timothy that you've been given a task. Stay right there in Ephesus. Paul ran into a lot of problems in Ephesus. You know, if you tell people the truth, they'll, they'll want to stone you. They want to throw rocks and bricks at you. They take parts of this building on the outside and start tossing it at you. Make some people mad enough they'll try to run you over in their car. You've got to be careful, but you've got a responsibility to preach, to preach the truth and to tell people the truth, whether they want to hear it or not. And this is what the, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy. I want you to stay right there. When he gets to verse number 5, after addressing who the target audience is in verse number 3, there are some translations that says and starts with the word but. Here in the ESV, it does not begin. It just starts and says, the aim of our charge is love. What Paul leaves out in verse number five, it is a contrast to those who had been speaking and had been promoting false teaching. The seeds of what we call Gnosticism. It, went, it had not started here, but these are the seeds that began to bring in this false doctrine. This, this People think that they have all this knowledge. Paul says, Timothy, stay there. Address the false teachers and their doctrine. When we get off track and forget our goal, then we will often be committed to following steps that lead us away from our goal. Paul makes it clear that your goal, ultimately, in all that you do, the aim is love. That's what he starts with in verse 5. The goal is love. That should be what motivates you. That's not what's motivating these false teachers. But Timothy, I want you to know that one, the goal is. You know what your goal is? You see, in your goal, you have, you have something that you are striving to reach. Your goal is something that is measurable. And then you have in between what we call the steps. 
those things that you are doing to reach your goal. So when Paul is telling him that the goal is love, he gives him a command. This is a Greek word, paragalia. Paragalia. It is an announcement. It is something respecting something that has to be done. It is a command. Pargalia is a command to instruct. Love is the ultimate outcome of Pargalia. It is the thing that he is to pursue, but it is going to be understood from the additional three things that he mentions. And Paul telling Timothy that you are to stay right there in Ephesus, it is possible that Timothy didn't want to do it. Because why? The fact of the matter is that if there are people that, is t- that are teaching falsehood, then you're going to have a confrontation on your hands because you're going to have to deal with them directly. When people are teaching that which is false, there's oftentimes a fight and a battle with it. Why? Because people don't want to be challenged with that which is false. They want to continue to teach that. I can imagine that Timmy was timid. He was here timid. And it would cause him to want to run and leave because of the challenge that he faced. Some of you right now have challenges ahead of you, and you are deciding which direction you are going to exit. How do I get out of this challenge? Yet, if you're going to reach your goal, you've got to go through. You see, you can't reach your challenge or the goal if you don't face the challenge. And this is Paul's charge to Timothy. You remain right there, and even though you might be young, you command certain ones to stop teaching falsehood. It has to be inspired by love. When you confront people whose views are detrimental, you will encounter hostility. You will encounter things that will cause you to think, am I doing or saying the right thing? Anytime that Jesus was on the scene with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the chief priest, when he was on the scene with them, they were oftentimes confronting him about what he was doing and what he was saying. But Jesus understood what his goal was. And he would not allow those things to deter him from his course. He would not be pushed ahead of schedule, nor would he turn from the goal that had, he had been called to complete. So Paul tells Timothy, your instruction is to love. That's the ultimate Then he tells him that it is to be done with a pure heart. It is to be done with a good conscience. And it is to be done the matter of sincere faith. These three things. In biblical terms, the heart is the seat of the emotions, the mind, the will. So when the Bible talks about the heart of something, it is talking about the full emotional impact or the will of the individual. It's not speaking literally of your heart, even though when something happens, you go, oh, my heart. It can cause you heart problems. There's something come after you that scares you half to death, and your heart will start beating pretty fast. I told you that a couple weeks ago when I was out there walking. Coyotes out there howling got my heart beating a little fast. My feet moving a little more quickly and deciding that I'm not going to be out here tonight running into some bird making some loud noise and a possum that's stopping on the fence looking at us. Possum supposed to keep going. 
drawn by those blinking lights. Turn them lights out. <laughs> the heart, the seat of the mind, the emotions. Second, as I mentioned, a good conscience comes from a good a Greek word. Good conscience comes from a Greek word that means Sunni diasis. It means to understand, to become aware. Knowledge, it is to be used oftentimes for right and wrong. When we think of our conscience, something that is right, something that is wrong, it helps us. And then he says in sincere faith. Now let's go back to heart briefly. As I mentioned, when your heart is broken, you feel pain. But the pain oftentimes is felt in the sense of your emotional being. For sometimes a person says, oh, I can't go on. Your will sometimes is broken when you say your heart. But your heart is oftentimes your mind. So your being, your will, you oftentimes don't even have a desire to even continue on. There are some people when something happens, it breaks their spirit. And you have to be urged and encouraged to go on. Paul tells Timothy, that what should motivate you towards your goal of love is a good conscience, a pure heart. When I think of psychology, many of you have heard of Freud, Sigmund Freud. And even though some of his ideas were whack out there, he had come up with this the consciousness, the id, the ego, and the superego. The id was that emotion to where it was just didn't care about nobody. I want what I want. I'm going to get it. It didn't take anything into account. I just want what I want. I'm going to get it. Don't care who it hurt. The id, it just goes after without thinking. The ego, a little more tame, it kind of thinks about, well, probably it's not the best time to do that. The you. Then the super ego is supposed to be that part that was oftentimes really kind of hard to define. But the morality of a situation, why would you do this? Is, there, is this right to do? Should I steal that food from the store? Well, some may say, well, if a person is hungry, that I can understand why they stole, even though it's still wrong. So that part of the superego, that's kind of what Freud's kind of part of his, part of his theory. Thank you. Who was that? Said Rhonda? Oh, yeah, Rhonda. Yeah, there you go. Rhonda. <laughs> part of his theory how could the word had escaped me so when we consider this matter of the conscience you can sometimes feel good about something that you do and you can feel bad about something that you do when a person does wrong and they don't feel any guilt or shame that's a problem and what Paul is telling Timothy he is saying we are to do these things and I want you to instruct out of a good conscience even though it may be hard, you must have a pure conscience that you are doing what's right. This is in the sense of moving towards love. The third is that you must have a sincere faith. Our faith is rooted on the word of God and in Christ. You see, the root, the faith is a foundation, and out of that foundation springs love and these other things. You got your foundation. You don't start building a house just with the roof. You got to lay the foundation. When we are in Christ, our foundation foundation is Christ. We serve the almighty God. We have a sincere faith. What these peddlers were doing that were teaching false doctrine, they had missed all of it. It was for personal gain. It was for whatever. And Paul tells Timothy, 
Shut it down. I don't care how they come at you. You have been commissioned. There are some things that were put in you by your mother and your grandmother. And you need to draw back and remember. And then don't forget, some people even laid their hands on you and prayed for you. So you have the authority to shut it down and to stop it. But you're going to encounter difficulties, Timothy. The foundation for the faith from which love could be said to spring is from faith grounded in God. Paul wants there to be a strong faith, the teaching of the gospel. When Paul was saved by Christ, he can now appeal to his listeners that it was the risen Christ, the one that he had been blaspheming, the one that he had been fighting against. It was the risen Christ that, that appeared to him on that road to Damascus and said, I want you to get up now and go into the city. And you will be given instructions to do. And it was Paul who stayed with the task. Paul had been shipwrecked on some of his voyages. Paul had ended up in prison. Get out of prison. Go back to prison. Paul was eventually killed by Nero. Why? Because, well, first of all, Nero became crazy. But Paul was killed because he would not give in to that which was wrong. Because Nero wanted to blame the Christians for the mess that he caused. You know, a lot of people want to blame Christians for things that happen in life. Just throw that into you, throw that on the side for you. Verse number six, I'm going to be done in just a few minutes. Verse six says, certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion. All right? They have wandered away into vain discussion. They have wandered from what? Well, they've wandered from what Paul had just said in verse 5. That if the goal is love, having to have a pure heart, having to have a good conscience, having to have sincere faith, he said they have wandered from these things. The matter of wandering actually is something that we know from the word repentance. It means to, with sin, miss the mark. When Paul is saying here that these individuals, Timothy have missed the mark. That's where that word wonder comes from. They've run into and began to pursue vain discussions. Things that are empty. Words that are empty. They have moved and shot past the target. If you Have you ever been uh, shooting at something, either with an arrow or a gun, and you missed the target? I'm going to tell you this. Beware of stray bullets. Because they can have the same effect as on you for the intended victim. Whoever was the intended victim, a straight bullet will have the same effect on you. Paul is telling them that they have missed the mark. They have shot past the target. And he's telling Timothy that you need to beware that your goal remains focused. You see, you can't address every single thing in life. The goal of the church is to stand for truth, the word of God, to represent who Christ is. You don't always have to be mean about it. You can just do it in love with a good conscience, wanting people saved. Tell them, you need to be saved, you're going to hell. Yes, that's sometimes true, but you know, I was wanting you to know I'm concerned about you. I've told you, your goal is that you want to be able to have an experience with people and be able to draw people in. What are you trying to do? You want to win people. But there are some things to where you've got to stand against and there are some things that you just got to say, can't do that here. Uh-uh. uh-uh. We, we had to do that. You, no, no, that, that, that can't go right here. No, uh-uh. 
no, that's, that's contrary. That needs to stop. Why is the Lord oftentimes so tough on certain things? Because it can, infect, it can affect the body and infect the body. When things happen, there are some things that have to be put down. Why? Because it can have an effect upon the body of Christ. Why do you think when people went to war? Sometimes the command was, is, is anybody just married? Uh, going back home to your wife. Uh, is anybody scared? Leave here. We don't want fear going through the camp here. Anybody scared? Leave. Going back home. There were certain things that they did not want around. Why? Because of the impact it would have on the others. And so Paul has to address this matter of swerving these individuals who have moved away. And Paul tells Timothy, stand firm. Why? Because the body can be affected. You may think that you do not have a mandate by God, but I want you to know this, that you do. When I was playing baseball, we had to practice. The practice was to get ready for the game. I couldn't stay in practice mode all the time. We practiced to prepare for the goal of the game that was ahead. There are some people who just stay in practice mode. Satan is not in practice mode. Here he is in the game. And you say, wait a minute, say, I'm still getting ready. Hold on. Don't throw so fast. And here he is throwing darts, and we're still up there right now stretching. Don't y'all know y'all got darts and target things coming at you? You got to get out of the practice mode and get ready and end the game. Why? Because Satan is an enemy of your soul. And what does he do? He's brought on into the church. That's what Paul tells Timothy. Stay in Ephesus. Deal with those in the church. That's teaching falsehood. Get in the game, Timothy, and tell them to knock it off. This is what we demand. And the authority that's been given to you comes from me, the apostle, and I've gotten my orders from the Lord, and you've been prayed for, and you've been sent, and you're ready to go. You've been commissioned to perform the task. Stop saying you're not ready. You are. You need to get ready. Get ready. I'm going to tell you this right now. The moment you try to do good, Satan's going to be right there with you. Now, uh, 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 uh. Keep practicing. You got to keep practicing. You ain't ready yet. Uh, uh-uh. going back out to hit a few more balls. Go and do some more stretching. Just go down and just think about what you want to do. Don't do nothing. Just think about it while he's planning his strategy. Before you know it, he'll slip in. The enemy is very crafty because he doesn't give up. When things oftentimes are introduced, it just takes that little seed to be planted. And then it begins to sprout. Michelle spoke about that last week. That seed, when it begins to sprout, it began to grow. And that's what Satan would do. And those little seeds that he begins to kind of plant in different places began to grow and to grow into your life. And what you will under what you will come to discover is that those small things to where one would say, Oh, that would never happen, it happens because it crept in and it came in often undetected. So we got a full blown problem in Ephesus that Paul has Timothy to deal with. In your life today, what is full blown and choking you out? What's in your life right now that's full-blown and causing you problems and you don't know what to do? What, what have you allowed in that the Lord says, kill it, and you haven't? You don't have to say that a lot. I already know you got some thoughts in your mind. You know what some of them are right now. 
Lord says kill it. Stand to your feet, please. Our goal is love. The way we get there are these steps. Ah, heart is a third. Second is a good conscience. First says pure heart or mind. Our faith rather is third. A good conscience and then the heart. I want to let you know that God has commissioned you to go in his name, and to represent him. Your goal is to do it in love, but you got to confront the enemy. You don't have to go looking for the enemy. He knows where you live. Don't go say, come on, bring it on, Satan. No, 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 no. He knows what to do. You just be ready to deal with the enemy. Not in your own power, but by what you have been commissioned by God to do, his word. Lord, today we honor you for who you are. Today, there are many things that, uh, that people in this place are going through. We're going through things. Look at what the enemy has been throwing into our family just this last two weeks. And Lord, he's a lie. <laughs> help not only me, but help this body, everyone in here. Those, first of all, that don't know you to get saved. Those that didn't know you, Lord, to know and understand that we have been commissioned by God to represent you. That we have a mandate to stand on the word of God and to promote that which is right and just. We pray that God you will prepare us. We dealt with the armor back in Ephesians. And so Lord, may we fully employ because the Bible says that yes, that dagger that he's using is for close combat. Lord, we are in hand to hand combat. So we pray today that you will give us wisdom how to use that sword and how to use the dagger, how to use what you have put at our disposal. We love you for who you are. We glory in you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen.